to remember the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And it's an exciting time for all of us. It was the week before his resurrection. We find that in Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. But here's something really cool. 450 to 500 years earlier, the prophet Zechariah prophesied this. Rejoice greatly, o, do- o daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt. A foal of a donkey, Zechariah 9.9. This event took place on the Sunday before his crucifixion. So this whole week is something for us to, as we, as Christians, we celebrate. We sometimes even mourn, but we celebrate what is coming. There's a question um, that Palm Sunday raises that I'd like us maybe to consider this morning. If we're called to be followers of Jesus Christ... To follow after Jesus Christ, what does it mean to try to do that, to be like him during uh, during this time in his life, during this week in his life? What does it mean to try to be like him during this challenging time? The fulfillment of this prophecy meant that Jesus was about to take up his cross. So first, it means that we need to be willing to take up our cross. And I use the word willing because you don't have to go looking for crosses. In your life, you don't have to go looking life gives them to you and whether whether it's a physical illness that you're going through some emotional struggle or or, or maybe it's a, a tough relationship or or trouble at work. You don't have to go looking for those things. They come to you. Crosses come in all shapes and sizes. And I was thinking life can life is funny or then I was thinking maybe maybe not so funny if you think about what Christ went through. So. The day days before Jesus was arrested and his crucifixion, he comes riding into Jerusalem, okay, on the donkey, and people are cheering and they're singing Hosanna and they're laying down the palm branches, they're doing all these things, and it's just this celebration that's going on because he was fulfilling the prophecy of the Messiah, something they've been waiting for for so long, but less than a week later. The same people who are celebrating his arrival are calling for his death. They're shouting out for his death. It's amazing. And I know everyone can relate to this. It's amazing how life can turn, isn't it? How life can so quickly, so quickly turn. And whether, whether you choose to follow Jesus Christ or not, you, really, you need to realize that. How quickly life can turn. So Jesus calls each one of us. To carry our cross, to accept and to carry our cross. We're going to have crosses in our lives. But you think, what does that mean? Well, first, it means accepting that suffering is a part of your life and that we need to depend on the father to help us face those difficulties. Like Jesus, we need to depend on the father. Being like Jesus means trusting God, trusting God, the father. And not passing along as you go through these challenges, the bitterness and anger that you feel sometimes as humans, but trusting in God when faced with those challenges. Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane and it's in the Bible talks about him sweating blood. And he says, Father, if if it be your will, take this, take this cup from me. But he says he ultimately says, which I love about the story, but not my will be done. Your will be done. 
So we need to be able to walk through life and, and accept those challenges that we're faced with without, without being overcome and being angry and being bitter and then passing it on to others. And now it doesn't mean that when you're with your family and friends that, that, that you, you can't talk about it or you can't complain about it or you can't even cry about it. Well, it's obviously it's natural and healthy to ask for help from friends and family when we go through difficulties. But we need to remember my cross is my cross. Your cross is your cross. It shouldn't become someone else's. You shouldn't expect someone else to work harder on your challenge than you do. God has given you that challenge sometimes in your life. And it strengthens you and helps you become the person that God created you to be. Especially if we learn from what Christ did during this whole experience. And we try to be like him in our lives. It also means that if, for example, if, if you have an abusive boss at work, that, that means you shouldn't then take out that, that abusive attitude or you shouldn't become abusive to your family. Or if you're going through family struggles, you shouldn't take that out on your coworkers. You should go before the Lord and allow him to use that in your life. Just like Jesus, we need to, we need to depend on the Father and then wait for the resurrection. Wait for the wait for the resurrection. See, crosses when you're carrying, you're bearing a cross. Crosses bring change. They bring change in our lives. We learn and we we grow from them as hard as they are. Sometimes they bring new ways of relating to God and to other people. You, you've learned things through the challenge of your, of your life that you could never learn otherwise. And, and they teach us lessons that may not be immediately apparent to us. Sometimes we, we, we don't see it at first, but God is doing things in our lives that down the road we're going, wow, have I been changed? Have I transformed? I would never have been able to handle what I'm going through now if not for And God allowing me and giving me the strength to do that. See, following Jesus means surrendering yourself to the future that God has planned for you. Surrendering yourself. That's what Jesus said. Not my will be done, but your will be done. See, Palm Sunday to me is like, and the week that follows is is a lot like life. You know, it's, it's like, it's like a roller coaster ride. It's like this roller coaster ride. You go from you go from rejoicing one moment, right, to a cross the next moment, to resurrection the next moment. It's as there is there are ups and downs in life. And and just like the disciples on Easter Sunday, the resurrection doesn't always come when you expect it, right? Those times when when you're thinking, God, I can't take any more than this. I I, you got to help me. That resurrection doesn't always come when you expect it. And when it does come, it's, it's, it doesn't often come the way you expected it to come or look the way you expected it to look. See, being a follower of Jesus Christ means that, that we, need to, we need to depend on him. We need to depend on the Father through the ups and downs of life. And along the way, as we face these challenges... We need to become, we need to learn to become more like Christ. Reason, that was Peter. There's a reason he um, has that reaction to his own actions. Uh, Peter was one of Jesus' disciples, but he was in what someone would call an inner circle with Jesus. 
he had 12 disciples, but um, among them was kind of a closer-knit inner circle that included Peter, James, and John. And that inner circle had witnessed miracles that the other disciples had not witnessed. When that 12-year-old girl, when Jesus healed her, the only people who Jesus allowed in the room were her mother, her father, and Peter, James, and John. During Jesus' transfiguration, Peter, James, and John, they were there. Because we hear of Jesus' disciples, and sometimes I think we can kind of just imagine them as like Jesus' groupies and not people who were had intimate, close friendships with Jesus and with the Messiah. Peter wasn't just a follower. He was a best friend to him. He was courageous for the Lord. He stepped out of the boat onto the water when Christ called him. He preached Jesus' name. He proclaimed it publicly. He pulled out his sword, as you heard, to defend Jesus when the guards came to take him. And you heard his account. He said he was bold and said straight to his face, even if everyone denies you and everyone leaves you, I will not. And then he denies him. His Lord, his friend, he denies him three times. And after Jesus is crucified, and after his resurrection, when he came back to the disciples, he goes to Peter and he asks, Do you love me? And he uses the Greek word agape to denote love there. His word, that word, agape, describes love in a way that means that you totally give yourself over to something. It's a sacrificial love. It's not just about your feelings. It's literally an act of will, a choice. And Peter answers him, yes, Lord, I love you. But he uses the Greek word phileo, which is a type of brotherly love and affection. And Jesus asks him the same question three times. Do you love me? And each time he, with the gape word, and each time Peter answers him with a phileo, Jesus love. And then finally, the last time, Jesus asks him, do you love me? And he uses the phileo type of love. And Peter says, you know everything, God. You know everything, Lord. You know that I love you. And Jesus was setting Peter up for his ministry here to be a fisher of men, to teach the gospel, to be his ambassador. He was essentially getting to the root of Peter's assurance and love and loyalty and pressing the question, do you love me, deep into Peter's wounded heart. Peter still felt the pain of his failure and betrayal. And yet Jesus is saying, listen, do you love me? Because I have big plans for you. You are forgiven. Your sins have been washed away by my sacrifice and I am more concerned with your future not your past I want to focus on your redemption story not your mistakes because God doesn't stop loving us when we make mistakes he wants to strengthen our weaknesses forgive our sins so he can use us for his glory every single day he is a God of grace he is a God of love he is a God of mercy and he wants each one of us to love him back with that same agape love he wants to be able to look at our hearts like he did Peter's and see beyond our words and say to us, I know you're giving me all that you can give me. And not one person in this room is perfect. We all sin. We all fall short. We all make mistakes. But nothing that we ever do will ever surprise God. Nothing that we do will ever even slightly change our relationship with him. He knew every one of our sins before we sinned and he still chose the cross for us. I think it would be incredibly hard to love someone if you could foresee all the things they were going to do against you, all the ways they were going to deny you, all the things, mistakes they were going to make. I think it would be really hard to choose, yeah, I'm going to love that person, if you saw all the ways they would deny you and hurt you along the way. 
But Peter knew that and understood that about God, that that was the kind of love that he had for us. And we need to understand that also. Because God loved us before we even knew what love was. Before we knew what agape love was, he chose to die on a cross, even though we continue to sin every day. He gave his life for us so that we could know freedom, whether we choose to embrace that freedom or not. He still chose to sacrifice for us. All he wants for you is love. And not love the way the world twists it and defines it, but love the the way this book defines it. After Jesus' ascension to heaven and... Peter was in his ministry. He says this in 1 Peter 5, verse 10. It says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace. This is Peter talking. We just saw. He said, After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And to him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And that last little part And another translation says, and he always has the last word. Yes, he does. And I love that. Some of you this morning need to be restored and confirmed and strengthened and established in his name. Some of you need to know him for the first time this morning. I just want you to take a minute to process the truth of of Jesus and process the truth of this holy week starting today as we go into next Sunday also. Where do you fall among these words? Restore, confirm, strengthen, establish, or maybe you need to come and know him. I just want you to take a few minutes to respond to that question, to just sit with Jesus and to just dwell on his truth and on his love. I'm just going to give you a minute. Just close your eyes and just spend a moment with him. As you continue to keep your eyes closed, let's just spend some time with the Lord. We, you know, we go through these seasons sometimes as a church and We often think of it as a religious experience, but it's not. It's a personal experience, and we need to make it personal this morning. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. In Romans 10.9, it says, If you confess, if you personally confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. You will have a personal relationship with God. Some of you need to do that this morning. You, you need to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead so that you can have that personal relationship, all the things that we're talking about this morning. Others need to maybe recommit your life to him. Others need to believe and have a deeper faith. You, you believe, but you need to have a deeper faith. For those who've never truly given their lives to Christ, I want you to pray just a simple prayer with me. Father, I ask that you would, you would come into my life, that you would come into my heart. Father, I confess that that I'm a sinner. And I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I do believe with with the knowledge that I have, Lord, I believe that, that you have raised him from the dead. I pray that you would 
that you would truly change my life this morning, that you would fill me with your spirit, that you would help me to trust in you. I give my life to you. I want to walk with you. Lord, I want you to carry me. Some of you need to be restored. You you know the light, but you're living in darkness. You asked Christ to come into your life, but you've you've walked away. Just take a moment to ask God to forgive and to restore you this morning. Take just a moment to do that. God, forgive me. God, restore me. For some of you, you need confirmation. You need to know in your heart, you need to realize that that you are never alone, that he will never leave you, that he will never forsake you. You need to own that truth in your own heart. In Romans 8:39 it says, neither neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us from his love. Nothing can separate you from his love. You need to own that truth. Some of you need to be strengthened. You need to realize that God can and will work through you. You're not believing that truly. You may have believed it early on, but things have happened in your spiritual life. And now that is faded. And you need to realize that God can and will use you. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13, it reminds us, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Father, as we come before you, we ask that we would leave here knowing and knowing and believing, knowing and believing who you are. Let us call you holy. Let us see and praise you as worthy. Let us adore you for the gifts that you have given us in your son, Jesus Christ. God, let us adore you. Let us praise you. Let us celebrate this day. Because we are your children. Let us celebrate this day because so many, even this morning, have come to know you, are now restored and now strengthened, Lord, in their hearts that they have come before you and laid it at your feet. All those things that were holding us back, Lord, take them from us. And let us praise you this morning. 
Would you guys stand with us? We're going to...